Welcome to the Suicide Prevention and Awareness Podcast, part of CBP's Shine a Light Suicide Prevention Program. In this episode, I'll be interviewing Dr. Kent Corso, a clinical psychologist and the head of CBP's Suicide Prevention and Awareness Program. Hi, and welcome to our monthly podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today and to our guests for being with us. Just a few caveats before we get going. I am a clinical psychologist, so I am a doctor, but I'm not the doctor for our guest. This isn't therapy or counseling, nor is anything we talk about today going to involve or constitute medical advice. This is just a conversation. Another disclaimer is that suicide is a difficult topic to talk about. It's not one that we can discuss vaguely or indirectly if we hope to make a difference. So for our listeners out there, we are going to have a frank conversation today. If by any chance you have lived experience or you are triggered, if anything we discuss is upsetting or distressing to you, please reach out for help. Reach out to those who care for you and love you and reach out to those who you love. If you're a CBP employee or family member and you need help, you can always contact a peer support member, chaplain, or veteran support member, or you can reach out to our employee assistance program. If you are not a CBP employee, you can always call 1-800-273-8255, which is the National Suicide Lifeline. Thank you for tuning into this episode of CBP's Suicide Prevention and Awareness Podcast. I'm Timothy Bryan, producer and editor of this podcast, as well as a management and program analyst here at CBP. Today, we're going to turn the tables and interview Dr. Kent Corso. Dr. Corso, how are you today? I'm doing well, Tim. How are you doing? Fantastic, as always. I'd like to uh, talk a lot about the program uh, that you're currently running here. What do you see as the problem with suicide in a law enforcement agency such as CBP? Tim, it's a combination of factors, whether we look at this just as CBP or whether we look at it more generally as a law enforcement agency. There are some common factors between both, and then there are some unique factors just to CBP. So I'll start with the common ones. Law enforcement agents often have higher risk of suicide for a few reasons. One reason is that they are likely to see more trauma or things that are potentially traumatic, given that they are first responders. They might deal with everything from a barricade to a suicide, to a homicide, to a, a gang situation or some sort of a riot. So they, they are in more dangerous situations compared to your average civilian. They also carry firearms. Now, access to firearms is something that increases one's risk for suicide. Not only do they carry firearms, but they tend to own firearms at home as well. So personally, personal firearms, not just government issued. On top of that, they're highly trained to use those firearms, and they are not afraid to pull the trigger and end a life, even if that life is theirs. So those factors put law enforcement at, at a higher risk for suicide. Within CDP, there may be some additional factors that pertain to its mission. So it has a national security mission, and again, I'm, I'm going to speak broadly here, not, not specific to any one subcomponent or program office within CBP. 
but they are sometimes out and about dealing with very difficult situations for which there is no standard operating procedure. They are other times dealing with members of the public and they're squeezed between, let's just say, high quality customer service and zero error in terms of ensuring national security. At the same time, we've never seen a time in our history, and we still are a young organization, but we've never seen a time in our history where this agency and its mission has been so politicized. And so you have political pressures that, of course, when the political winds shift, so do those pressures. And so you may, employees may find themselves scratching their heads at times with confusion about what is my purpose here in this organization? What am I trying to accomplish? What is the ultimate mission here? And what is right? What is wrong? And, and that that may take on some some shades of gray. It may look differently depending on the way the political winds blow. It's also true that we are seeing unprecedented levels of migration to our southern border. Uh, certainly, the geopolitical climate is unique. We're coming off of a world pandemic. So all of these things combined increase the demands on our workforce. And frankly, it's the same size workforce, but with many more demands and more complex demands. I know in uh, a few episodes ago, uh, we were talking with uh, one of our one of our safety uh, people, and we were talking about uh, stats, CBP versus other federal agencies in terms of people uh, being injured uh, on the job and whatnot. And every life is unique and individual, and it's not just a number. But what are we looking at in terms of stats compared to other federal agencies, maybe even other law enforcement agencies in terms of um, suicides? Tim, we don't have great data for comparison. Now, the FBI has maintained a law enforcement casualty database for years. And in the most recent few years, they are trying to get tight coordination between other federal law enforcement agencies so that they can start developing more precise comparative data for things like suicides. What I can say, though, is that, and we are participating in that voluntary program with with other federal law enforcement agencies. We are waiting to see what the FBI comes up with in terms of their final products or their ongoing products, but that's all in progress right now. But if we compare ourselves to a municipal police department or a city police department like NYPD, which is about 45,000 in size, so it's close to what we are, without being equal to what we are. They have had, over the last few years, between two and four suicides per year. And that's pretty consistent for the last several years. So if we use that as a comparison, and it's probably not apples to apples, but it's pretty close, then we are seeing two to three times their suicides. We're a little bit on the higher end of a comparable agency. What programs are offered to employees and families to help out with these issues? Tim, a few years ago, RAND completed a study for us looking at all suicides in CBP since 2007. And what the report determined was that there were 10 of the most common risk factors or triggers for CBP employee suicide. The first one was relationship problems, often including infidelity, but not always. 
then after that disciplinary history or perceiving that you might be in trouble or might have a discipline issue, then alcohol and drug abuse or use, depression and other mental health issues, work stress, particularly fear of losing one's job, prior suicide attempts, physical illnesses, grief or bereavement issues, financial difficulties, and a family history of suicide attempts. Now, of those 10 risk factors or triggers, family history of suicide attempts and previous suicide attempts are the only two factors that are not really actionable. They are historical factors, not things that are happening today that we can mitigate. So that leaves us with eight areas of people's lives that cause them so much distress or lead to so much distress that they consider taking their lives. If you look at our employee assistance program page on CBP website, on SharePoint, we have everything from chaplain and peer support to family support, financial wellness, health and wellness, stress, anxiety, and depression prevention, substance misuse and abuse prevention. So essentially, those eight risk factors map directly to CBP's employee and family support programs. It's very methodically done to try to target those eight risk factors for suicide. Thank you for that. And, and I know that a lot of people probably don't even know that we are targeted in that way. What are some important strategies in maintaining wellness in the workplace so that way we can help prevent or mitigate uh, the suicides that we're seeing? So what, what can we do, the average person on the street? So there are two aspects to this. One is to take care of yourself. The other is to take care of others. So let's start with taking care of yourself. Live a well-balanced life. That It sounds so simple, but it's very difficult. So how do we balance family and, and home life with work life? How do we make sure that we're feeding our soul, that we are getting what we need in order to continue trying our best every day and being on top of our game every day? It also means when we wake up in the morning, what do we tell ourselves? When people get out of bed, they often... Seldom do they pop out of bed, fist pump the air and say, yes, I'm so excited to go to work today, right? So maybe there are a few of us who, who do that. But for the majority of people, that's not how life works. They kind of groan and roll over, maybe stretch, maybe hit snooze. The point is that we have to have a good reason to get out of bed and try every day. And that's, that ties into our meaning and purpose in life, our values as individuals, or maybe even as LEOs or Americans or civil servants, whatever the hat we wear, there is something that motivates us uh, to get up and keep going through every single day and every challenge it presents. And if we ever wake up in the morning without that clarity and we're questioning, why am I bothering to get out of bed this morning? That's a time where you should check in with yourself. You should consider contacting peer support, chaplain, talking to a friend, even any of our other family and employee support services. Keep a close tab on that compass, that, that part of you that helps direct you in a specific direction and, and really keeps you motivated. The other part is, is helping others. And that starts with situational awareness. So if we all maintain situational awareness about the people to our left and right, and it's, it obviously was very difficult in a virtual office environment to maintain a sense of how your colleagues are doing. But it's important, not that you have to know everything about them, 
but rather you can see when they're different than their baseline. We know from research that about 80% of suicides before the suicide, they show signs that they're struggling. About 20% of suicides we will never prevent. And and that's because they either happen too fast and the person escalates so quickly and, and makes a very impulsive decision, or the person is absolutely determined to die and conceals all signs that they're struggling. So that means we're really looking out for that 80% because that's what we'll see to our left and right in the workplace. And so if we're maintaining situational awareness, and this is deceivingly simple, we have to ask people, are you thinking of killing yourself or ending your life? It's not enough to say, are you okay? Sometimes it's best to start with an observation like, hey, you don't seem like yourself or something seems different. You know, really like to help you. When we say the words, are you thinking of killing yourself or ending your life? It does two things. Number one, it lets the person know exactly what you're asking about. There's no confusion. And research studies have shown that we have to be that specific and explicit. And the second thing it does is it kind of lets the person know that you're willing to go there, that even though you ask that really personal question, you do want to hear the answer. Because normally in a social context, people ask all sorts of questions like, how are you doing? How are things going? And we're sort of conditioned to say, fine, we're good and just move on. And so asking that question in that way tells them, no, I really do want to know the answer. So that's very important thing that, that we can all do. And, and honestly, in the last 50 years, we've never seen a sustained decrease in suicide rates. What that means is We've never reduced suicides by even 20% and then sustained that lower rate year after year after year. And the reason why, to be honest, there are several reasons, but one is that people just don't ask. They don't ask that awkward question. And once the person, if the person does say, yes, I have been thinking about that, the next thing you do is just listen and just be a good person. Just, just listen. You don't have to give advice. You don't have to say anything. But then at the end of the discussion, you do want to get the person to a qualified professional whether that is one step up at sort of a chaplain or peer support level, whether it's an EAP clinician, whether it's their family doctor or a therapist or the ER. Uh, if you can get family members involved with their permission, with the employee's permission, that also reduces risk. The key here is that we try to reduce risk, not that we just try to save everyone's life because we, we know that's an unrealistic goal. Thank you very much for that. One thing that you had said uh, a little bit earlier is the situational awareness. And I know from my personal background, I'm prior service military United States Air Force, and we have a veteran support program here at CBP to help out with veterans having uh, issues. Is there a correlation with veterans being at a higher rate of suicide than those that have not served, do they do they see do you, are we seeing a higher rate of uh, veteran suicides versus non-veteran suicides in CBP? We are not. About one third of our suicides are veterans, and about two thirds are non-veterans. Now, to get a little bit more personal here uh, with you, Doctor Corso, what's your experience in this line of work? What brings you to CBP and uh, to do all the programming that you do for suicide prevention and awareness? Well, Tim, I'm also an Air Force veteran myself. And when I was on active duty, uh, right after 9-11, we had more deaths by suicide than deaths by enemy fire. And in fact, that is currently the case, that if you look at the suicide data, it still exceeds the casualty data since uh, the conflicts 
that have occurred since 9-11. So I was trained in this area and I really just developed a passion for it because it's the kind of situation that is very daunting. It's overwhelming for people and yet it doesn't have to be. Certainly it's complex, but there are many things in this world that are complex. We don't shy away from tackling them. And uh, so that's what drew me to this. And it's just very rewarding to help people increase their confidence and their comfort reaching out to the people they work with, the people in their personal lives and their community to be a part of the solution. That's a very rewarding part of the, the job. And as far as CBP, I came to CBP because I, I saw the job open and it looked like a great opportunity to make a difference and make an impact. So that, that was easy. What gives you hope? What have you seen since your time here that gives you hope that we can kind of change uh, the culture, the stigma of suicidal ideation and uh, seeking out mental health resources? Tim, what gives me hope is seeing the top leadership of CBP behind this cause 100%. So no, no organization's perfect. There's always some sort of positive change afoot in, in organizations. And to see that the kind of change that's needed to reduce suicides is supported not only in the commissioner's office, but at the EAC level across program offices. So our senior leaders being behind this, trying to message down the down the chain all the way to the field to say people matter and we have to take care of our people. So that's been, uh, that's engendered a lot of hope for me and then watching their actions as well. So seeing some of the changes we're making to improve how we support employees and trying to find ways to help them rather than moving straight to a fitness for duty evaluation, being able to seek the support of Congress and being given several million dollars to hire operational psychologists, full-time peer support and chaplain, and other on-site EAP clinicians. These are all steps in the right direction, and they are signs of the shared commitment, both at our in Congress, as well as in our own leadership here, and, and of course, in our parent organization, DHS. My last question for you here, this is probably the toughest question. I know we say it in all of our episodes to ask that question. How can we as an individual overcome that uncomfortable question of, are you thinking of ending your life? The best way to do it is to set a goal and really make yourself do it in the same way you might make yourself eat your peas before you get to eat your apple pie at dinner. It's just a matter of committing to it. And if you can find some reason something that you value, something that's important to you that ties into this topic. That is, is there a good reason for me to force myself to ask someone that question? That's what's going to make it happen. And so if you set a goal and say sometime in the next 30 days, I'm going to ask that question to one person. I'm going to find one person in my community, in my family, or even at work, and I'm going to ask them that question. That kind of commitment is what it's going to take. And it's a learning experience. When we talk to people who have asked the question, they admit it was awkward, but they also admit they don't regret it. And that it is much easier to ask it after that first time. Thank you so much, Dr. Corso, for actually letting us flip the tables and interview you. Definitely appreciate the work that you're doing here for us at CBP. You're welcome, Tim. Thanks for this opportunity.
This is part of our ongoing podcast series for suicide prevention and awareness. If you see someone struggling, say something. Asking them about suicidal thoughts may feel awkward, but you can help reduce suicide risk at home and in the workplace by tolerating that awkwardness. Simply ask, how can I help? And then just listen to the person. Make sure you ask them if they're thinking of ending their life. It really does make a difference. Thank you again to our guests. I really appreciate you. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. We'll speak to you again on our next episode.